Welcome to the Next Trip Podcast with Doug and Drew. This is an aviation and travel podcast covering current topics and trip reviews with multiple course deviations on our route. All thoughts and opinions are our own. Welcome to Boarding Pass 28, everyone. This is Drew, and I'm here with Doug. We're two av geeks and aviation professionals creating a safe space for other av geeks and travel enthusiasts to obsess about all things aviation. Good day, everyone. We hope this episode finds you safe, healthy, and in good spirits. We're one week closer to this crisis being over, and we're staying positive and aviation tough. So, Doug, we cannot let the mad dog go without remembering it. On It might be three episodes now. I've lost track, and I don't think anyone else is doing this. And yeah. I don't care because I love it, and yeah. I want it. I want it noted in history, right, that we cared about it. So. Everyone's probably waiting for us to just stop talking about it <laughs> because well, it seems like that's all we've been doing the last couple of weeks. That's what we thought about Biscoff, and then they keep sending us tweets about Biscoff because yeah. they want us to talk more about well, and it. We're every, not going to talk about it. Everyone's going to be upset because we're going to talk about the CRJ again today. Yeah, that's going to be the next thing that we, that we fixate on. So, yeah. All right, but no, Mad Dog. So, Doug, you got to go on two Mad Dog flights which was freaking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I got to witness and I just, I'm still like have to pinch myself. I got to witness the last MD 80 passenger flight departing and taking off. And it was picture perfect, Doug. See, I had the whole bowl of ice cream and you came in and ate that cherry on top. Yeah, like, I, I did. I got the whip. You, you got, you got the best part. Absolutely. Yeah, it was just amazing. I mean, we'll talk about it some more. You want to tell everyone about the YouTube video? We're not getting enough hits. As as cool as it is, it should be a million hits, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we put out a YouTube video. It was our first first video that Drew and I have done for the podcast. We worked with Nate from In The Air, one of our buddies who's who's been on here before, and used some of his content because he was at the American send-off party when they retired their Super 80s back in September. So we used some of his stuff in there and he gave a really nice little send off message at the end. But we took the video that I had taken on, on the trip. We took all of our discussion that Drew and I have had about the mad dog over the last several months. And then we spliced it in with the video from the flights that I was on. But then Drew got some amazing, <laughs> amazing videos. I really did. And I don't usually show off about anything that I do, but you guys, I did an awesome job on I got the pushback of the plane. I got the water cannon. We, I was even in an airport. Thank you. Thank you, Metropolitan Washington Airport Authority. I was able to ride with their ops people. So we basically walked that plane to its last flight. And I cannot tell you how awesome that was. So, Doug, yeah, I thought you're, you're – I loved your videos. I mean, it, it had a sadness to it, which um, it was – you were going for that theme, right? I was, yeah. And that's kind of why I chose that – the music that I did as well. And I purposely didn't run it by you before I put it in because I knew that you would say, no, the, the music is too sad. So it, it is sad music at the start, but the, I, I thought that that last song was perfect. The, yeah. the way that it just fit with the takeoff. And I loved how you filmed the airplane as it got smaller and smaller and smaller at, after it took off. Oh yeah. I kept it going. And, and I kept it going in the video too. I just let it, yeah, I let it roll that. until the end because it was like a perfect ending to this airplane that has been the workhorse for Delta for three, four decades, 30 plus yeah. years. Yeah. No, Doug. I mean, so you guys, I, I've talked about this a lot, but I worked for Reno air back in the nineties and that is the only plane we had. We just had the MD eighties and nineties. So I, I literally grew up 
with that plane as a um, ops agent. And then I was a supervisor. met one of my best friends there, Neil. He listens a lot and he's a pilot now. So r- lots of really good memories. But yeah. um, So yeah, after, after that, how are you doing this week? I know that was kind of a, a high early in the week. Actually, you weren't even working yet. You went in one of your off oh, days, yeah. right? Yeah, people yeah. are like, you're here on your day off? I'm like, absolutely, I'm yeah. here on my day off. Yeah. Not to work. <laughs> yeah, um, so how was the rest of the week? How are you holding up? It, yeah, it's, it's good, Doug. It's getting better. So uh, loads are definitely picking up. And I was actually very busy this week. Um, I had to work kind of a mid-shift and do the morning and the p.m. And we had some thunderstorms. So those of you on the East Coast, we got slammed uh, this week. Thick band of thunderstorms going over Washington, Baltimore, Philadelphia, New York area, right during our uh, five o'clock bank, which is, mm-hmm. it's like timed exactly for our departure bank. So planes went out and I had about uh, 20 planes holding for ATC clearance, but I loved it. <laughs> this yeah. is like, it was such a rush to have all that traffic out there. And it's like for a while you forgot about things because it seemed so normal. I didn't get a chance to close the ramp, so I was disappointed. And of course, my supervisors are like, just be quiet, because they know I love that stuff. Yeah. So I'm like, come on, we need one ramp closure. <laughs> but no, the lightning split over Washington Dulles, and we didn't have to close the ramp. So no, it was nice. But um, otherwise, I mean, Doug, you and I have been talking. It's still a tense time. I mean, Very we much, are yeah. not, yeah, and we're not blind to everything else that's going on. So you come home and watch the news, and, you know, it's a tense time with the pandemic still raging. Now we have the public unrest, but I will say the protests have become peaceful, which is nice. So, you know, hopefully we, um, and this will all bring us together. So we're talking, uh, it's important that we, you know, you can have difference of opinion, but it's gotta be peaceful or the message gets lost. Yeah. It's, it's been, it's been a week. Uh, Drew and I were talking about it before we started recording that it seems like this is the first week in a while that things are, they're not back to normal, but they're starting to feel like the new normal and, and everyone is saying it's the new normal. What is the right. new normal? What, what is the new know. normal feel like this week? I think it, it's finally starting to get to that point where businesses are starting to open up. People are starting to go back to work and you just wash your hands, wear a mask and socially distance. And, and people are getting people used, are to, used it. to it now. People are getting I'm, used to it. I'm used to just wearing it. I don't want to say it feels comfortable, but it yeah. seems semi normal just to walk around with a mask on. Isn't yeah, exactly. Horrible state of, affairs but you know it is normal now well they've been doing it in asia for a long time japan china hong kong you see that you see that a lot so is that new normal going to be long term here who knows who who really knows but yeah people are people are starting to feel comfortable yeah just a quick tangent in japan there's only 900 people that have died from this which is minuscule right and they're saying it might be because of the masks because they're used to wearing that maybe since after SARS, it just became it became a commonplace. Thing. Right? Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. I mean, things. I, I'm feeling positive. Uh, we'll see what happens with the airlines. But you know, someone told me we can only control what we can control. So let's do that, and let's take some time to also um, step away, enjoy ourselves. You know, I'm driving around. I'm seeing some positive things. The restaurants in DC that have outdoor seating are open now, and just seeing people outside talking having a beer, it just makes you think that things will come back. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. Let's, let's close out the mad dog. Tell (laughs) us, tell us a little bit more just about what it was like watching, what it was like being there. Well, no, I mean, it's your turn first. You got, so my question, so when you were on that last flight and you were on descent into Atlanta, 
what exactly were you feeling? <laughs> that, man, I, that's, that's a tough question. Yeah. Um, it really is. Like I, I felt, I felt sadness because as I've said many times before, that airplane has taken me to lots of important life events, both good and yeah. bad to funerals of friends, to seeing grandparents for the last time to my mm. wedding. It, so bo- both good and bad. Yeah. And so it, it's like, that was the last time that I was going to fly on that, that airplane that has meant so much to me, to the airline, to the industry. Right. But at the same time, we have to move forward. And so you, you can't, you can't dwell on the past. We have to move forward, more fuel efficient airplanes, less carbon emissions, et cetera. The passenger experience, as I said, isn't great on the, yeah. on the mad dog. But there, there's so many distractions now in life in, in general with screens and phones and TVs and all that. And it yeah. seemed like on the Mad Dog because there aren't seatback screens, the Wi-Fi was in, so-so. <laughs> Everyone had their windows open. Everyone mm. was just watching out the window. It, it just seemed more relaxed and more like the aviation of old, if that, okay. makes, if that makes any sense. I know that sounds no, really, it makes really weird. Sense, yeah. Yeah, no, you would just enjoy the flight, especially for AvGeeks. There wasn't any distraction, you know, Wi-Fi and NC videos. And yes. This is what's sad for me sometimes, you know, when you're taking off on whatever airplane it is. Window shades are open now, thankfully. But for the longest time, window shades are closed. People are on their computers and the plane's taking off. It's like, wouldn't you at least want to see that moment when your plane lifts off and see the city where you, you were? I, I don't get it. So... Yeah, when you told me all the windows were open, um, that that was nice because it did seem like the old days. Yeah, it was perfect. All right, so what you know, what were your thoughts when? Yeah, I. It was hard for me to believe that I was actually witnessing the last flight. To be honest, because it just seemed so normal. Yeah. So I didn't really think about it, but when I watched the video that you put together, then you know it's like goosebumps that to think that I was there. Yeah. Um, the plane looked beautiful. I, you know, we're never going. So you had the eyebrow windows. The MD-80 has the weird cockpit windows where there's like a middle window in the front center, of you. Yeah, the center. Yeah, the center window. Yeah. I don't. That would just seem so be so disconcerting to me as a pilot. Anyway, I'm going on a tangent, but I was really looking at that plane like I've never done before. Um, it's a beautiful plane. It is really beautiful. It's like a rocket the way yeah. it's shaped. I noticed that when I was working on the video, the the views of the wings, just that, that the wing shape of the MD-80 is just unique to, to that. Even the CRJs, yeah. the, the other T-tail airplanes that are out there, just didn't have that shape of the wing like the MD-80. Yeah. And I, I think I'm going to miss that a lot. Yeah. So what will we have, Doug? Well, well okay. So everyone, don't forget, and we still have a Mad Dog out there, which people don't even talk about. It's the Mad Dog 95, which became the Boeing 717. Mm-hmm. So I, you've been on it. I have not. How exactly how similar is it to an MD-80 cabin? Very, very similar. I, I actually, I really like the 717 because it only seats 110 people. So mm-hmm. it's quick, really quick to, to board and then deplane when you get to your destination. It's light, it's bright, it's airy. You don't feel cramped. The 2-3 seating is, is great. It's awesome it feels ex- exactly like a, like a short MD 88, MD 90. It's quieter too. The engines are more efficient. 
it was designed in the the mid to late 90s um so it's it's a little bit newer of an airplane than the md90 was md90 was about seven or eight years ahead of the 717 yeah so it's like a it's like a 737 700 yeah basically yeah yeah Yeah, that's that's basically what it is yeah yeah all right doug let's close this chapter everyone like wipe tears from your eyes now but we got to move on from the md80 but we have we have that memory so everyone go to youtube tell people how we can find it on youtube what's the fastest way yeah if you go to youtube just type in a workhorse remembered and it should be one of the first ones that comes up if that doesn't work maybe add final delta md88 to the end of workhorse remembered but it, it should come up by typing that all right guys let's leave our mad dog bliss and go over what else has been going on in aviation this week uh we'll start off with uh pia flight 8303 not a lot of new information unless you have anything, Doug. I mean, we're seeing that um, investigators are still reviewing the flight and voice data recorders, and a report is due on June 22nd. Could it be pilot error? It's really too soon to say, but um, what do you think, Doug? Yeah, they found the cockpit voice recorder in the flight data recorder, and Airbus actually took them back to France, and Airbus is reviewing them. They're able to get the data off of it, and as you said, an initial report should be due by the end of the month. It could be upwards of a year or longer before a final report comes out mm-hmm. but usually airlines or or aircraft manufacturers put out an interim initial report and that way they see if there's any airworthiness directives that they need to to put on the airplane so an ad and airworthiness directive is something that could have happened to an airplane and it could continue happening if yeah. airlines and manufacturers don't fix what what it is and usually the airlines have several weeks if not months to get into compliance with these airworthiness directives do i think that something like that is going to come from this probably not it it, i'm not an investigator but from all all the um all of what we've seen so far i would not be surprised if it did end up being pilot air yeah it just seems like everything's pointing that way because it just seems like um it just seems like rookie errors that they made or oversights so yeah yeah it's really the whole thing is interesting really bizarre yeah all right, so the, the next topic is COVID-related, and, and there are several airlines that now have announced um, layoffs, that, that they're going to be making layoffs in the U.S. Now, for our, our international audience, I know we're pretty lucky here in the U.S. because we had the CARES Act, which helped keep a lot of jobs. Very mm-hmm. few jobs, aside from some of the regionals, have actually been lost so far which yeah. is not the case in a lot of other places in the world. Right. So our, yeah. our, our hearts go out to everyone who's impacted worldwide by this. And we, we are really lucky in the U.S. This week, American and United and Delta as well said that they're looking at letting approximately 30% of their workforce go. And a lot of that so far is in kind of mid-level management positions. Pilots, they're not entirely sure yet what's going to happen. There have been a lot of displacement bids that have come out, and I know that all the airlines are saying they're trying to work with the unions to minimize any any potential furloughs or, or anything of that sort. It may be a couple of weeks, maybe a couple months before we before we learn more on that. But this is one of those pieces of news that everyone was kind of expecting. No one knew what the number would actually be or how how bad it would be. And we don't even know yet if if it's going to be 30%. It could be less. It could be more. But that's that's what the airlines are saying. Yeah, right now. that's the number that's been thrown on. I think the bad part is 
they're offering these voluntary separation programs, some of which are pretty good with uh, travel for five years and health benefits for a year or something. The problem is with the, the economy the way it is, there's not a lot of jobs to go to if you take that. Mm-hmm. So um, they're not getting as much response to that as they would have expected. Cause if you have 30% take that, then no layoffs. Yeah, exactly. So, but people just are not ready to retire or go find another job yet. So there is going to, there's going to be some difficulty and you said mid mid level management, but uh, for us it's across the board. Yeah. And that 30% number is across the board. One department that's going to be less affected is interestingly the flight attendants because about 50% have taken some kind of voluntary leave. Mm-hmm. So, you know, being a flight attendant, I think after a while, they also have another job as a real estate agent or, you know, they do other things cause they get so much time off mm-hmm. when they reach a certain level of seniority. So, but however way you cut it, it is going to be painful and we're going to lose some people. So, but hopefully we'll come back in 2021 quickly. We'll see. So good news. Uh, the airlines are, gradually increasing capacity. I was really surprised by this, Doug. American increasing to 55% of their 29 capacity. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe that. The summer. Yeah, I, yeah. I could not believe that. So that's great if they actually have bookings, but if they increase and the load factor goes down, that's not good for American because they're going to lose more money. Uh, United will increase capacity to 30% versus 13%. Uh, in June, so it'll be 30% in July. International capacity is going up to 25% versus 10%. Delta and Southwest are also adding flights for June and July. Um, this TSA number, I'm going to let you talk about that. because Yeah, so r- real quickly before we get to that, this capacity increase, the airlines wouldn't be doing it if they didn't see the, f- the forward bookings starting to pick up. So that, that is a really good sign because that, that yeah. shows that people are, are actually getting out or, or looking to get out and start to travel again. And I saw that on my trip. It, it was aside from a couple of places in the Philadelphia airport, the airplanes were, were very full. The airports oh. were relatively full as well. And it seemed like people were just going about their business as normal. I know we talked about this last week. So that's good to see. And this is, this is a big surprise, these increases that the airlines are making. Because I know I wonder, that- Doug, I wonder if American is higher than the rest because a lot of their hubs are in states that are open. Yeah, that, that very well could be. Because if you look at United, they've got San Francisco and Newark. And Newark is in the New York metro area, which right. is the hardest hit. San Francisco mm-hmm. is hit pretty hard. LA is hit pretty hard. Yeah. So yeah, that, that definitely would make sense. Yeah, so when those, when those hubs are completely open, you'll see, you should see those numbers coming up close to American, I would think. Yeah. Now, you mentioned the, the TSA screening numbers, and I know that Drew you and I have talked about this quite a bit on the past several episodes. First of all, I'm a little bit disappointed because they're not releasing numbers on the weekend anymore. They used, to update, they used to update it daily, and yesterday they put a little header at the top and said they're only going to do it on weekdays now, which I, I'm wondering if it's because the curve is going up because we see the number of screenings substantially increasing week over week and so they don't necessarily need to do that daily push anymore they'll they'll do a daily push during the week and then we'll get the weekend numbers tomorrow oh yeah because you think there it's less less alarmist now it's less alarmist yeah Mm -hmm. because we're 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 seeing this constant shift up in number of screenings and and so i i don't think that we need that daily 
it's disappointing because I enjoy looking at that number every day and, and seeing, yeah. <laughs> seeing how the, how it's increasing and, and the trend line that it's on. Yeah. But on Friday, which is the last number that we have, 391,000, almost 392,000 people were screened. Some perspective on that. It's still only about 15% of the same day last year, which yeah. that number in itself is very alarming. But if we right. compare it to where we were at the low in April, mm-hmm. we were at 96, almost 97% below where we were last year. So that's yeah. like 3% of last year's number. So we've had about a 12 to 13% increase from the bottom, yeah. which is, which is a, a really good sign. And that's over a six, seven, eight week period. So if we yeah. keep the, if we keep this up, we're looking at sometime next year, we might be, I don't want to say back to normal because it'll depend on when all international comes back, when mm-hmm. borders are open, when sports teams start playing again, when Disney world is fully open. Cause a, a yeah. lot of the travel revolves around that. So when right. those Las come, Vegas. when those exactly when those come back conferences that that's when we will fully be back I I feel like is that right. one year is that two years I don't know but based on these numbers and some some estimations that I've been doing I'm seeing third quarter of next year is when we'll be back to close to where we were in 2019 I, oh, I won't wow, I won't good. say that we will be there <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, again because of the borders because of yeah. All these variables that that we can't really control or or estimate. You're saying you're taking your graph and you're extrapolating it that out to 2021, and you're seeing by that time we should be semi-normal. Correct, based based on where the growth has been the last eight weeks. <clears throat> okay, so we should go back and replay this episode in third quarter June of 2020. Third quarter next year, yeah. <laughs> yeah, interesting. All right, well, I'm excited. <clears throat> I hope you're right, and I think you are. We kind of tease us at the top of the show that we were going to talk about CRJ 200s and why are we talking about the CRJ 200? Well, our buddy Ryan from uh, AirlineGeeks.com confused a lot of people this week when he it said was he, so funny. that he flew on a Mitsubishi jet. <laughs> so let's let's talk about this. Drew, you want this one? Yeah, let's just lay it out for um, people that may not be familiar. So uh, we're going to talk about the CRJ 200, which was a Bombardier product that bombardier segment or that uh piece of that company was bought by mitsubishi and it closed uh what is it doug i think it was tuesday that that deal closed yeah uh mitsubishi bought bombardier's bombardier's crj unit for 550 million so they will have the rest of the production it's not very many planes left i don't have the number but i think Mm. it's like 15 that are left on the production line uh, they will also control the maintenance and support activities. This will be integrated with their M90 space jet program. So this is a new regional jet that they're developing, 17 to 90 seats, not making a lot of or lot or any progress selling that plane yet. But I'm assuming they're hoping this all this technology or all these processes that they learn from Bombardier will help them, you know proceed with this m90 space jet product so yeah that's that's exactly why they bought it they bought it for the intellectual property and the the systems and and the knowledge that comes with it they didn't buy it for the crj program yeah. the crj program is essentially done as you said there there really aren't any orders on the books they're finishing up the last several airplanes so mitsubishi got this for that intellectual property and and 
the know-how that comes with Bombardier. And they're also, when you think about it, they also now have an in with all the customers that fly the CRJ mm-hmm. to do the service on this. And then in the meantime, try and sell some of those space jets. Yeah. Prop, yeah. you know, plop down a little brochure for the M90. <laughs> yeah. So how did this, how did this come up though with Ryan? He posted a screenshot from flight radar 24 that said the Mitsubishi CRJ. <laughs> and so actually, if you guys look now and you go search, yeah, all of the tra- the tracking websites now say the Mitsubishi CRJ, which is it's weird. It's kind of like when, when well, no, the he C didn't post series... a flight. He didn't post a flight radar. He was connecting from uh, Atlanta to Phoenix, and he he said just flew on Mitsubishi's latest jet. And yeah, then people people are like, oh, how was it? And you know, was it pretty cool? And it's like he flew a CRJ. Now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and some of the responses. One of his friends was like Ryan. Period. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we give the CRJs a hard time. Sorry, Nolan. <laughs> the CRJ 200 is not a pleasant airplane. And if we're flying on a small airplane, we would rather fly in an Embraer, a 175. That said, it's a T-tail, and T-tails are going the way of the dinosaur for the yeah. most part. They're, they're just they're not around as much as they used to be. So it's nice to see that still. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the CRJ 200... <laughs> We, we give it a hard time just because it's easy and Nolan loves it. So it's Nolan, by the way, is our friend. He's um, a ramper in Asheville and he works these planes and he loves it. And I think his first flight was on a CRJ 200. So he has some uh, sentimental feeling about it. But I, Doug, I will tell you, I, I, when the CRJ was coming out in the mid nineties in California, we'd drive out to Monterey airport to see this little plane because it was replacing the props. Yeah. So it was an America West CRJ 200 that was going Monterey to Phoenix. And we thought it was the coolest thing since sliced bread. Oh yeah. Now, 25 years later, we don't want to, you know, it's not our favorite, but yeah, exactly. I I, I remember growing up in small cities in the Midwest when the ERJ 135 and then the CRJ 200 started coming in. That was a big deal saying all jet service to the hubs, no longer prop planes. And it seemed like, as you said, the best thing since sliced bread. The problem was airlines started to use these not in a way that they were initially intended. With with a turboprop, they didn't have the speed, they didn't have the range to do anything other than a couple hundred miles from the hub. The CRJ200s, airlines started using those as frequency on longer flights going from hub to hub or major city to major city to give business travelers more opportunities to fly at different times, as opposed to just throwing a couple 737s on a route twice, three times a day, they could throw seven, eight CRJ 200s on that route and have a whole bunch of different departure times. Drew, I was on an ERJ 135 from New York JFK to st louis when st louis was still an american hub okay i went hub to hub halfway across the u.s on an erj 135 yeah so this is the thing i mean if you have a choice of a crj 200 or a 787 like let's say from dulles to chicago i mean let's be real no one's going to take the crj 200 yeah unless it's the last flight ever of that plane right all right now um nolan brace yourself we're going to read the comments of people some of them are good. So this is what uh, our listeners said. So we did a poll and we said, uh, we love the CRJ 200. Tell us what you love about it and we'll share it on the show tonight. Reply with a comment if your choice isn't listed. 
Um, do you want to read the? Yeah, uh, we, we gave four options. First one was better than an ERJ 145. Second <laughs> one was it makes me feel taller. Third one was it's better than driving. And then the last one was it's cozy inside. The, the winner was better than driving with fi- yeah. almost 55%. And then the low was makes yeah. me feel taller with about 6%. Yeah, so let, let's read a positive first from the comments. So Jason Napfall in Phoenix. Hey, Jason. Uh, he wrote, I applaud you for liking it and showing passion for it. Nothing wrong with that. I've had nice trips on the CRJ family, so I don't entirely hate it. It's an airplane, and that's what fuels our love for aviation. I love how he said he doesn't entirely hate it. <laughs> so he's, he's admitting, that, he's admitting that there's a little bit of well, there, dislike. It's a backhanded compliment. And <laughs> yeah. Well, now I, we're going to go out of order because speaking of backhanded compliments, one uh, officer, Wayfinder, he goes by at O Wayfinder. Uh, who's that? <clears throat> Cough Doug. Yeah, I don't know who that is. Uh, he said, I never disliked it, in parentheses, from the outside. <laughs> and so another slap. No one can just say something nice and just leave it. So then Gre- Greg Peterson <laughs> said, I'd almost rather drive than take the CRJ 200. <laughs> Flights on CRJs are short, so short that by the time I go to the airport, get there early, get the car rental at the destination, I can drive and be there. I also get good food and get to go to the lab anytime I want. So this is pretty bad that an av geek would rather drive because I'll go through the security checkpoint and park my car just to be able to be on a plane. So yeah, for Greg, no, not for a CRJ. Uh, Justin said, when I saw Justin Yarbrough at Fat Elvis 04, he said, when I saw the question, I thought, well, it beats riding the bus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it feels like a bus on there. Yeah. Can, can we talk about the windows, though, on the CRJ 200? Yeah, who designed this? This is ridiculous. Do you know? Do you, you know, know why? They're, so do you know why they're like that? No, because the CRJ two hundred was based on the Challenger, the business. Oh, the jet. business jet. Yeah, the which was a cool jet. business jet. Right? Yeah, it's wide cabin. The the windows on that airplane are low, and the CRJ two hundred is a stretched Challenger. And yeah. in the initial design of the CRJ, they didn't move the windows up. They just kept them where they're at on the challenger so for those of you who haven't flown the crj 200 the windows are like down at your hip bone and i'm not exaggerating it is impossible to look out them the crj 700 900 they move the windows up because that was made for passengers and not a business jet but if on the inside if you look at the airplane both on the on all three the 200 700 900s i don't know if you've noticed this drew they're Mm -hmm. missing about half of the windows compared to a normal a normal airplane on a 900? No, on all of them. They're only, oh, they're only every other position where you would expect a window to be. Oh, I hate if that. You look, if you look at the side panel, you know, okay. th- think of a 737, the side panel, there's, yeah. a win- there's a window for every portion of the side panel. Okay. On the CRJs, it's every other side panel. There's a window. Oh, that's not good. I, I, <clears throat> I don't know why. Yeah. So there yeah. are fewer windows. They're small. So speaking of windows, do you want to read Francis' comment from uh, Albany Airport? Yeah, he said, uncomfortable plane to fly on. If you want to look out the window, you have to break your neck looking down. I hate it. Put me on the <laughs> CRJ 900 and I'm happy though. <laughs> yeah, and then um, you know, I reached out to my friend Matt who was on an episode. He'll rant about anything. And of course, I got like three or four you know, texts about the CRJ. But speaking of the windows, he said, uh, another rant, you have to be five foot tall to see out of the out of the windows or you need a robotic neck (laughs) and he also said so he used to work these 
He said, how come they couldn't make the CRJ better balanced? We needed stacks of in-flight magazines, LaGuardia to Dulles, all the time since we never had enough bags. And then he said, we need uh, this. I guess he heard this from the right. Hey, we need ballast. Um, okay, there's 10,000 pounds of ballast sitting in Roanoke. That, you know, I guess they didn't need it out of Roanoke, so Roanoke kept getting more and more ballast. <laughs> oh, my God. <clears throat> All right, anything else on the CRJ? No, I, I think we can put that to bed. All right, one, one final thing to talk about that we, we weren't planning on talking about, but I think we should cover it just yeah. momentarily, is the resumption of China flights. I don't know if, yeah. if you guys saw this week that well it's it's actually been going on for a little while that some of these u.s carriers and we've talked about united and delta and even american who are looking to return to china and, and have some chinese service return china initially wasn't allowing the u.s airlines to restart service they were kind of playing hardball yeah. so the u.s responded and said okay the department of transportation said all right well we won't let chinese carriers come if, if yeah, you're not gonna yeah. let us yeah that makes sense yeah because it sounds like other Airlines from other parts of the world were able to resume their China service, but China wasn't allowing the U.S. So after the DOT said that, then little skirmish, little argument here and there. But now it looks like, uh, according to Reuters, they are going to allow both China's is going to allow U.S. airlines to start operations. And the U.S. is going to continue allowing flights from China. Doug, the question is, what are the quarantine restrictions going to be? Because for Europe, for a lot of countries, until a certain date, I don't know what date in June, there's a 14-day quarantine required for Americans. So who yeah. would fly there if you have to stay in a hotel room for 14 days? So, Yeah, yeah, I, I know that's that's been a pretty contentious issue in the UK. Some of our UK listeners, you guys can send us some messages and, and chime in. It, it might be interesting to actually have a discussion about that in an upcoming... Yeah, maybe on the next episode. Up, upcoming episode, yeah. Just, just, just to see what it's like in other parts of the world. Um, cause we've been very U S centric recently. And, and so to kind of get that, that bigger perspective, but I have seen a lot of countries now are starting to move toward immediate testing or talking about doing immediate testing upon arrival. If you test negative, you mm-hmm. don't have to go into quarantine. If you test okay. positive, you do, you do for 14 that's, days. That's good. There you go. I, I, it's smart. I, I think yeah, that that's, a quick where, test. that's one of the ways that we can actually start to get international travel back if people right. are if people are comfortable with that or even better you know do the test before you get on the flight if we could have a, a you know an infrastructure all around the world where it's a quick test i mean it could be faster than the tsa screening mm-hmm. you know yeah we'll see i, I think we're going to come up with solutions doug i really am hopeful it's it's not rocket science yeah you know yeah the the real question though is will people want to travel or be willing to travel knowing that there's that outside chance that you could pop positive and then you're uh, your good point possible two day three day seven day trip just turned into sitting in a hotel under quarantine for fourteen days yeah well then get your covid test before you when you're doing your travel plans yeah yeah but um no, just a little tangent before we close out. So, Doug, you have a you have a way of putting a positive spin on stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. So, I asked one of our listeners, Francis. I, I know you're listening because Francis is going through all the episodes. He's an airport ops supervisor in Albany. So, I asked him, "Hey, so give me something positive about the CRJ because <laughs> we're really, you know, scraping to find positive stuff on this plane." He couldn't give me anything positive. In fact, he gave me more negatives, which we just <laughs> read one of his. And then he goes, 
Get Doug to, to make up some BS positive spin on something like the last episode. And I'm like, what, what was he talking about on the last episode? He couldn't remember, but apparently you put a positive spin on something that was like really bad. I, I find a way. I, I've, I've learned from my wife. She's a public relations specialist. Uh, that's why. Yeah. Okay. So I, I get to see her take bad things and turn them into positive things. Okay. All right. So I'll call you first if I have to have a conversation with an employee about performance. (laughs) Doug, help me out here. I can't. There's nothing good here. (laughs) Thanks for listening to us rant about the MD80 and CRJ200, everyone. Keep giving us feedback and ideas on Twitter. You can find us at Next Trip Podcast because, you guys, this show is as much yours as it is ours. We want to talk about things that you are interested in. So let's keep the conversation going. Yeah, guys, more, and we're serious about getting more international in the next couple of episodes since we've been talking about the U.S. a lot. So our international listeners, please reach out to us. Let us know what things are like in your country, what mm-hmm. the airline, the aviation industry is is looking like, what recovery is looking like, what possible quarantine. Yeah. We'd like to cover that in the next couple of weeks from, from our listeners and, and your vantage point and perspectives and point of view. So please let us know. I yeah, think let us be- know what's on your mind. Yeah, really, really interesting to, to kind of get that perspective. It's easy to read off news articles and press releases, but to actually get that in-person narrative, I think we'll, we'll definitely make it a lot better. We know you guys have your choice of podcasts, and we thank you for adding us to that list. Despite the craziness in our lives, we love doing this podcast, and we hope that it gives you some entertainment and a break from these very stressful times. Thanks for joining us again this week. We'll see you next week. In the meantime, stay aviation tough. This has been the Next Trip Podcast. Find us on Twitter at Next Trip Podcast or officerwayfinder.com slash podcast. All right. Thanks for listening to us rant about the MD-80 and CRJ-200, everyone. Give us feedback and, and ideas on Twitter. You can find us at, at Next Trip. Why is this so difficult? We do this every week. Oh, all right.